Please be seated. In my first few months after ordination, I was serving as the assistant rector of St. Anne's in the Fields in Lincoln, Massachusetts. And I was sent out, I was dispatched, dispatched to go visit an older couple. He'd been ill for some time and they weren't able to get out of their house. When I got to their house, I opened the screen door in order to knock and realized that the front door was ajar, so I pushed the front door open and said hello as I stepped in. And as I stepped in, I walked into a scene. There was an enormous commotion that was taking place. And the husband, Steve, he had clearly been using one of those commodes, one of those portable commodes in the living room. And now he was sitting sitting on his easy chair with his pants at his ankles. And his wife, Mary, was there fervently cleaning up as the commode had been knocked over on the floor. I was shocked and embarrassed and tried to apologize and back my way out of the door, but Mary looked up at me and said, Noah, when you get married, no one ever tells you this. This is what love looks like. This is what love looks like. This lesson that Margaret just read for us is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. It's often read at weddings. I think almost every wedding I've ever done, it's been read at. at. I was trying to think of one that hasn't had it. It's the perfect lesson for that day. Love so perfect, beautiful, and handsome. It's that beautiful love. We also see it in those pictures. You know those engagement pictures taken on Mount Washington or a Point State Park, those perfect pictures. It's also that love we see with that parent holding their newborn child or that older couple that's walking down the street and holding hands or the grandmother who keeps up with every single one of her grandchildren's concerts, that perfect vision of love. And we also know that love doesn't always look so perfect. It's the parent who's up in the middle of the night with their child for the third time when they know they have that important meeting first thing in the morning they need to get rest for? Or it's learning how to let your adult child fail so that they can be a grown-up? It's that love that looks like telling your friend who's lost in addiction, no. Or changing your father's diaper or cleaning out the refrigerator at church. (laughs) Love, after all, looks like that as well. So Paul's writing to this church, this early Christian community in the city of Corinth. 
Now, Corinth was a diverse city. It was a trade center, had people from all over the region who'd come to live in that place. And Paul is writing to this church that is deeply divided. It has factions and cliques all over the place. Factions based on who baptized who, on what's the proper way to believe, the proper way to practice one's faith. Cliques based on family lineage and background. Divisions all over the place. Maybe, maybe not unlike our nation today. And so Paul writes to this divided church in the midst of all of these divisions, and Paul speaks of love. Any gift, any correctness, any position, any glory, if you do not have love, it is worthless. Love is the standard by which all things will be measured, he says, by love. And the love Paul talks about, it's kind of a different love than I think we often think about. It's not infatuation. It's not lust. It's actually not even a feeling. Not an emotion. Actually, it's the kind of love where we get up each day and decide to love instead of responding in another way. Not because we feel like it or because we hope for something in return, but because it's just what we do. Love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And when I read this, I know how often my own love doesn't shape up. So if you remember last week's gospel, it was the first part of a two-part story. We get the second part of today. So Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue. He takes out the scroll and reads from the prophet Isaiah about the blind seeing, prisoners being set free, of declaring the year of the Lord's favor. And he says, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And the people, they all say, wow, isn't it great? The child of this community, he's done good. But to this week, it continues. Jesus continues and he tells two stories. The story of the widow of Zarephath in Sidon and the story of Naaman the Syrian. These are both stories about God's power and God's love working, but not working with God's people. 
not working with who people think of as their family, but God working with the outsider, the foreigner, someone who's seen as outside of God's promised people. And the folks, when they hear of God's love being spoken in this way, what did they do? They chase him up to the foot of the hill, up to the top of the hill, and try to throw Jesus off the cliff. Loving as God loves, they don't think that's what love looks like. It's upsetting. It's distressing. And that's how they respond. Because God's love, it also looks like helping a refugee family who's new to our community to become settled and to thrive. Love also looks like making sure that everyone who lives in a town nearby can breathe clean air. Love looks like welcoming someone who looks very different than us, who believes very different than us, into our church. Love looks like scouts who are going out and collecting food for people they don't know through a food pantry. Love looks like showing up to a school board meeting. Love looks like protesting at the state house. Love looks like sticking with that vestry meeting that's now gone past 10 p.m. Cornell West says, justice is what love looks like in public. And Jesus shows us that sometimes love costs. Sometimes love costs everything. It was his preaching of this love for all people that led his hometown to lead him to that cliff. And it was Jesus' love that led him to the cross. And that's sometimes what happens when love never fails. It costs everything. And so Paul writes, and now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of them is love. Paul's able to write about love in this way because Paul knows that love. Paul's experienced that love. It's that same love that God has poured out for you and for me, that perfect love that loves you just the way you are unconditionally. That love that's given to you and to me so that we can love like Paul writes, so that you and I, we can love like Jesus, so we can be part of that love that never fails, love that's costly. We can share that love that God has already given to us with the world. Amen.